It is Todd Pasternak here, author of Lessons from the Road, Musicians as Business Leaders. And I am Sid Garza-Hillman, author of Approaching the Natural Health Manifesto and Raising Healthy Parents, Small Steps, Less Stress, and a Thriving Family. And I promise there's a relationship to music. We just haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. Nothing, sa nothing says rock and roll like a parenting book. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Like it kind, it kind of does, doesn't it? Though. Well, it can. And I don't know if you know. Did you? I don't know if you, Todd, because for all of you listening, uh, listening, Todd and I are just meeting for the first time, really. But um, my background is as a musician. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. So I know you, you were, so you were a singer songwriter before totally switching gears. Yeah, and I haven't totally switched gears, but but uh, professionally switched gears for sure. I used to do music, you know, full time, and, but uh, and now I don't do it full time. But I'm still in it. Oh, that's neat. Because um, that was actually one thing I was curious about is if you still write and perform and kind of get a chance to exercise that that part of yourself. Um, I do, and and uh, it's been I was in Los Angeles playing full-time for over 10 years and touring and all that kind of stuff. And then kind of had enough and moved up to where I live now in North coast and really put my guitar in a case for about five years. And interestingly, which we can get into, cause I know it's completely relevant to your book. Um, as part of my overall health, small stepping practice, I brought music back using my own approach and it's been to, to a really successful end because now I'm writing again for the first time in, in many years and, and playing, regularly not performing out yet um i played a few times live since i moved up here but not in a few years but i but but i'm writing again and that's a, been an incredible uh, process for me oh that's amazing uh it's it's so <laughs> it's so neat to hear um some similarities here i know we're gonna we both have different sort of paths from the from the music piece but but like you yeah i mean it was a full-time touring musician for for just over 10 years and you know writing recording um and started working with other artists as well to help them uh you know as a producer or engineer and then just kind of hit that moment where uh it just i well two things i guess happened one the music industry itself was just you know going through its own crisis with the digital transformation, and um, and it just seemed like just too much disruption, and 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 my bands for sure got sort of caught up in in that, but that also sort of sparked, for me at least, a new direction of where I wanted to go with, you know, exploring a new new careers and ultimately what became a new passion of mine. Um, but it's interesting to hear, sort of, you know, a, a similar background. That's exciting. Yeah. And for, I mean, for me, it was pretty similar. It wasn't so much the digital because we were a staunch analog. I mean, well, I'll put it this way. We recorded on tape and and uh, and mixed down to tape. But we went we we for the last two records, we ended up transferring to Pro Tools for the mix and then coming back down. But I was still a holdover. And I remember the last <laughs> record we did was like it cost what for a roll of two inch tape? Like it was like the price had gone up. And I was like, holy crap. Uh, and, get you know, getting out of the credit card. But for me, Interestingly, it wasn't the recording end of things that burnt me out. For me, it was living in LA and playing live. And um, I think because I toured and sort of saw the the how cool it can be to play other places that actually aren't inundated with music, and how hungry people are in like in Europe to listen to new music. And and then playing in LA, 
uh, and then coming back and playing in LA and just having club owners, you know, after 10 years of playing regularly, you know, having club owners go, so you guys going to bring people out? Like, I was just like, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear that statement ever again. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that statement ever again. And, um, and finally I was like, I, I told my band, I was like, I don't want to play here anymore. No more Los Angeles. And that sort of began the process of me getting, getting out of Dodge. But, uh, years later, um, now being up here and doing what I do, I look, and I've talked about this on my podcast, um, a lot. I look back on my years as music and not knowing it uh, at the time, obviously, because I had no idea that my life was going to end up here. Um, I look back on music as a as a completely integral part of what has made me more effective here in a seemingly unrelated um, profession. I, music prepared me quite well for it, and I had no idea at the time that that was going to happen. And it's such a weird thing. And that's why I really liked seeing your book, because I immediately uh, from the title it was like, yeah, completely. Cause, cause it, it's like, it is a business holding together a band and there's so many similarities, um, to the business world. I thought that's genius. The way that you were like, okay, let me just talk about this. Cause it's real. And I think a lot of people don't think it is. It was shocking really, uh, to see, cause I remember, I remember sort of getting my first gig outside of music, uh, in, you know, digital marketing. And, you know, I kind of just taught myself how to start coding. And then I started getting into some of the strategy parts of how to, you know, connect with people through, through marketing creative and, uh, and, and working in sort of a corporate environment. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to do this? Like, right. I know, I know nothing about this. And then the shocker was, okay, I totally know how to you know, work with people and navigate personalities and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) especially, you know, after touring around in a van, you know, for weeks on end, um, you sort of figure those things out. So a lot of those skills started to translate um, and, and furthering, you know, further out into my career, meeting more and more people who shared a, a, a similar story who shared, you know, the, I was a professional musician and now I'm in finance and I use those skills every day, or I'm in sales and I use this and, you know, you, you fill in the blank. Uh, it seemed that the road or the studio were, was a great training ground for other careers. I, I think so. I think most people think if they saw somebody apply for a job and said, you know, was in a band for 10 years, they'd sort of cast that off and say, um, you know, whoop, what, you know, irrelevant. Whereas I'm, I, if, whereas if I saw that on a resume in, in, you know, I run a wellness center here and, and I have a separate company that I run smallsteppers.com, you know, that I have, you know, people working for me. Um, if I saw that on a resume, I'd be like, right on, let's talk. Because, because to me, and I don't know, did, were you a band, did you have your own band or were you in someone else's band or how, how, how was that? How did that work for you? So for a handful of years, it was my band that I just kind of kept in throughout college. And then it was like weekend warrior. Mm-hmm. And then I joined a band that was signed, uh, and was sort of hired gun, but became one of the principal songwriters as well. Got it. So for me, it was always my, it was first I was a solo singer songwriter. Then I started a, a full-fledged band but it was still my baby i mean i was you know writing i was doing the, all the writing and and the whole deal but running that band and and so in a sense like i look back at and think it was in, in a way similar to being a ceo of a company in the way that and, and it wasn't blatant at the time or overt at the time i didn't run it like a company but in the way that i managed 
the personalities and I managed people's desires and tried to, to tried to make the band um, work because there's all that intangible stuff that occurs in the corporate world that's well beyond somebody just going, yeah, I make this much money and I do this job. There's there's like the having people that are that feel like they're part of something and how that can translate into success of, a, of an organization. And I I knew that early on, again, not overtly, but I, I guess I had an instinct about it that if I can have my guys, even though I did all the songwriting, I still gave them percentage of ownership. Like that was a thing that wasn't financially prudent, but to me it was so perfect because it it was it made everything better about the band. We got to, we got along very well, and and I know bands obviously have their their moments, and I had them too. But for the most part, understanding the the dynamic of a of a corporate structure in a way, and saying keep your employees happy, you know, have them want to be part of something bigger than just a paycheck or something, uh, makes a huge difference. And I think that that's pretty relevant in today's world. Oh, for sure, and uh, just giving your bandmates or your, you know, your colleagues, your team, you know, in, in the office, you know, a, a, a reason to be invested, <laughs> you know, to really get behind something, like you said, something bigger than the compensation. Uh, yeah. And that, that made me, that made me back off uh, creatively, which was one of the biggest lessons I probably learned. I, I, for a short time, this guy named Giovanni Ribisi was in a band called Thousand Mona Lisas back in the day, and, and they and he played band, he played bass for me. Just he, he was trying out, and we 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 kind of hit it off. But he he ended up not joining the band, but but we really got along really well. But he said in in one of the bands he was in, if it was that one, I don't know the other one, where the songwriter would hand them sheet music and be like, play this. And 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 for me, I never did that. I never. I mean, I would I would weigh in when I felt it was like really important, but ninety five percent of the time. I would bring a song and let them completely shape the sound of that song. Um, and it made me really cognizant at the time that it, the more I back off and be less controlling and allow people to freaking breathe, the better, <laughs> the better it was for everybody, including me. And I think that was a really important lesson in going forward is allowing people room to succeed and find their way. And I think that that potentially isn't done maybe enough in the business world, but I guess you would know better than I about that. But it just seems like people are like, here, just do this. And it doesn't allow somebody to, to bring their personality into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I see it in, you know, in the role that I have, you know, t today or uh, in, in other, um, you know, business settings. Um, when you when you let people be part of the creative process, they just become invested. It's there. You know, it's it's shared voice. It's um, it just becomes something much, much bigger and hopefully, you know, better as a result of getting the additional input. Uh, ultimately, someone has to make a call, right? On yep. this, this is great or this is shit. Yep. Uh, and and then you move forward, right? And that's yep. and that's actually something else that I uh, and I'd love to hear you know your your take on this too. Like uh, being in the rehearsal space and you know working out a tune, and when do you get the signal of okay guys this is this isn't happening or you have that moment where you're all looking at each other like holy shit yeah. like this is this is why we're this is why we do this yeah yeah and yeah. you have right and you have that moment um, and then the the ultimate test of course is whether you're recording something and putting it out and you get a reaction or in the live setting you play the song 
and your audience just, it just hits, it connects and it moves people and you see it instantly and you know that that's going to be in your set list for the rest of the tour. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, there's, again, I always come back to those intent. You can put four people together and they're all really good musicians and they all play the notes perfectly and not have whatever that other thing is that for some reason connects. And I remember a, a hundred times, thousands of times where we'd be in a, in a rehearsal and run through a song that we, we may have already played a bunch of times, but for some reason in that moment, it hits. And, and, and knowing that Thing. And then the other thing, like you said, is sometimes it just doesn't work. And, 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 and I'll be totally frank about this. I was the head of the band. So it wasn't ever, I never, as much as I allowed for the creativity and the shaping of the songs to be done as a band, as a whole, there was never a confusion. And I think this speaks definitely the, to the business world. There was never a confusion about who makes the final call. I didn't have to make a final call that often, but when I did, there was never a discussion about like, who are you to say that? You know, it was always like, got it. It just didn't come up that much because my band was so much of a, um, you know, we were all kind of on the same, not kind of, we were definitely on the same page creatively. So it really rarely came up, but just on a, you know, on a very rare occasion did that happen. Um, and so I find that again, like a really interesting parallel to, to today in business of knowing who the clear leader is, but maybe fostering an environment um, business wise where you don't have to, pull, you know, call, you know, call the, um, what do you say? Like pull in rank, you don't have to pull rank, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, the less you have to pull rank, the better, you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. I mean, the decision-making process in business, you know, can be, uh, complex. Um, if, if the, if the roles, um, aren't well-defined in it, right. in in the setting. So, yeah. Uh, you know, in a band, you know, maybe there's a band leader uh, who ultimately gets to make the call. Maybe it's, you know, just the most senior person in the room in, you know, in a brainstorm session of what's going to be, you know, let's move forward on this idea or let's just parking lot it and, mm -hmm. and come back to it another time. Uh, and I think what's important is uh, on the business side is sort of setting those expectations with with folks right up front of, okay, here's how we're going to make the decision, right? Either, either it's going to be, we're going to have consensus. So everyone's got to, you know, we're not walking out until everyone feels confident that this is the right move. Or it could be, um, hey, look, uh, I'm going to take all of this input and I'm going to go back and make a decision. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> right, there's, 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 certainly multiple ways of, of address, of tackling the decision-making process. And, uh, and I, and I always pull back <laughs> to those experiences of, you know, being in a studio or being with other artists too, you know, even producing other artists, uh, and they get to make the final call. It, you mm -hmm. know, it's about servicing the, the artist in, in those sure. moments and just trying to get the best out of them. But how, isn't it, isn't it, I'm sure you have, I'm, I already know the answer, but there was, there was times in the studio where we'd be recording a record, at, you know, Paramount, we always, we did a few records at Paramount Studios in Hollywood. It's not part of the movie studio, but it's just like that Hollywood, it's a Hollywood, really nice studio. And we'd be, I just could picture sitting in there and mixing and uh, mixing a song and, and getting to the point where it's, it's, there's that point where you, I think you can only get there by experience when you realize 
it's time to move on. And if you keep mixing this song, it will never be finished. And that's the deliberating the I just recently in a in a my well podcast, but whatever, just talked about how liberating it is sometimes not to deliberate. So that, that you can you can you can stew over something and remix and 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 try a billion different ways, and all of a sudden you'll never get past a song. And at some point you have to move on. And I think that's a skill that is cultivated with experience to say, I don't know if this is, it's like that, uh, I think it was Victor Hugo. Somebody said the quote, like, don't perfect is the enemy of good. And, you know, like, and if you're, yeah. if you're chasing perfection and it just becomes this thing where you can't even quantify it. But I knew so many writers back then and guys who were like, yeah, I'm a songwriter. And they would just never do an album you know, or, or, or screenwriter who would never finish a screenplay. And, and year and years ago, years later, as I become a small steps coach and sort of craft my overall, uh, coaching practice, it became very much of, this is not about chasing some weird concept of perfection. This is about producing work that you're proud of in the moment. You may regret it later, but you gotta get in touch with how you feel in the moment and then move on to the next thing. You can't get to the next thing unless you finish the thing you're on. And that was so much something I learned in music. For sure, I, I'm I'm super curious about uh, your your sort of your move, your life move. And I know you said you didn't obviously didn't put the guitar you know completely down in in a way you know permanently. You're 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 writing again, and uh, but what sort of got you moving in this in this new direction? And well, what this, the- spe- specifically outside of you know music industry just being brutal overall and (laughs) yeah i don't you know i one thing i did do i would say fairly well and i will tell you this from a purely like objective standpoint my band was one of those critically acclaimed that didn't sell many records (laughs) you know what i mean and so it was always like oh yeah they got really good critical reviews you know but we just like you know we made enough to continue playing but that's not how i made my living you know what i mean um and so um, the hard work of that, um, I think, you know, like you said, like the, the playing live, like that definitely burnt me out. Um, but, but one thing I learned at the time was going by gut. And what I mean by this is like, when I would write a song, I would know if it was good, not because it was a hit, but because I knew it was good for me, whether it played in the marketplace. And I learned this over time, but whether it played in the marketplace became incidental how that relates to where I be, where I transitioned to was not a conscious decision of, okay, what's the next career that's going to be most, you know, most, you know, money-making. And there was no consideration of that. It was something I fell into and thought, this is so cool. And I'd been reading about nutrition and health for years when I was a chronic asthmatic and singing in a band and, and really realized how the asthma was getting in the way. I read a nutrition book. I made a change. My asthma went away. And as I'm playing music, I'm still reading about this stuff going, this is pretty cool. Well, when I got burnt on music, it was oddly a natural progression for me to say, this is something I'm very passionate about and I want to get into that. Then later that blossomed into what I do now, which is so far beyond food. I, I'm like devaluing food in, in my in my current <laughs> practice. But it was it was a thing where I was like, this is something I want to do. And it had nothing to do with any practical consideration of, of income or or, you know, what's the market asking for? You know, it, it was just a thing of like, I think, I, I remember like coming home and to my wife, I was like, I think I want to do this. I think I want to pr- go back to school and learn this, learn this and see where it takes me. And that, that was pretty much it. 
That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird, and, but it, yeah. And, and are you finding the types of clients you work with now sort of share those same sort of pivotal moments or they're at those moments where they, they just need that sort of a, a plan. They need sort of the right sort of guidance now. And, and, and are you pulling from, from your experience to help guide them? Well, here's the mind blower for me is I started out 10 years ago, almost 10 years as a nutritionist. Now, um, in, in, my, I, I call myself a small steps coach. So here's my, my most recent private client. I stopped working with private clients a few months ago when I launched the company. But um, my most recent one, this is a perfect example. I just always cite her because she's the perfect example of why I think music uh, was so integral in my life. And here, here's what I mean. She came to me for, for food-related issues or so she thought. Weight mm -hmm. loss, you know, sickness, these kinds of things. In our work together, talking about my small steps approach, it came to, to, I came to understand that really what the deal was, was she was blocked in creative ways. This is something that I 100% believe my history as a musician is, is making me more keen to. She's a writer and wasn't writing her novel. Now she came to me because she overeats and she came to me because she snacks uncontrollably, so to speak, and all these kinds of things. Well, what we what I coached her on was, okay, you were writing a novel that you have not touched in however many months, months it was, eight months, 10 months, I don't even know. So let's small step into that. Let's start, I know you used to write an hour a day and then you got burnt and didn't write at all for eight months. So let's start with ten, five minutes in the morning or 10 minutes in the morning. She settled on 10 minutes in the morning of writing her novel. And I said, start 10 minutes and then shut it down after 10 minutes, that's it. And it didn't stress her out. She began the process of writing again. And lo and behold, within a month, she said, I got home. And when I usually snack, I realized I had just other things on my mind. And that's when I, I, I understood early on in this process that rarely is it is about food. And sometimes it is about something creative or something that they want in their lives that they're blocked. And it's ex their blockage is expressed in their unhealthy habits. But it's not really about the food. It's about the fact that she wanted to write her damn novel and felt frustrated <laughs> daily that she wasn't doing it. I applied that to my own life a few couple years ago when I brought my guitar back out of the case. And I said, look, I used to play hours every day. Well, my life is different now. So let me see what's the smallest amount I can do that's not going to stress me out. And for a while, it was literally touching my guitar once per week. I wouldn't even play it. I just got it out. I put it on a stand. And I would just touch it and go, hey, good to see you again. <laughs> and then it right. soon... And then it soon grew once I got it back on my radar. And so in a very eerie, weird way to me, creativity, and, and in this case, it was a, in her case, it was a novel. In my case, it was music. But creativity plays such a huge role in health and happiness. And I think it's completely under, underestimated how much it does. The, the, the idea of just process, <laughs> yeah. right? And uh, I think so many of us feel us, I mean, like humans feel the, the, the need to just be, to find sort of the completion quickly to find the, like, just get to the other side of something so, so fast and thinking that's really the only way. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, and you know, that's, you know, not some, you know, big, big, crazy, you know, idea I just dropped or anything. But I, I do think that, again, I think musicians have almost like an unfair advantage 
uh, in that setting, if if you if you were if you were comfortable with the creative process as a musician, I think I think even you know it's not not every songwriter um, is is comfortable with that. Is comfortable yep. with what thro- one throwing stuff away. Uh, some I know I know plenty of artists that just are like, no, I think this is the riff. This is <laughs> no, these are the lyrics. These are. Yeah. You know, it just, this is it. And it's like, it's not, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, try, yeah. try, just, you know, just try to let it go. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so incredible to hear that application applied to, you know, to helping someone completely change their lives in, in that way, you know, in a way that's not, I'm writing music, but it's, you've, you, through this process, through these steps, um, I'm addressing my weight. I'm addressing whatever it else, whatever else it is in my life. Well, and, and the thing is, I think I, because of, I mean, and I'll be clear, like in the beginning, it was all about when I got out of nutrition, when I got finished with my nutrition program, it was all about food. And, and, and it was just like food, 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 here's a plan, here's a plan, eat this, eat this kind of thing. And it wasn't working. And that's when I realized, I probably in considering my own life too, that health and happiness in the modern world, and, and even as related to your book, success in the business realm, is predicated on, I think, is, is a fulfilled life personally, and how that translates into success in our relationships with other people and, in, and success in relationship to, our, to, to, the business, to the workplace. And and for me, and again, like I'll, I'll kind of just mention the, the my new book, the the parent, the healthy families book. As a father, it serves me as a father to be fulfilled as a human. And part of my fulfillment as a human is the fact that I'm playing music because it was such an integral part of my life. It was so much of my identity, and having it in the guitar case locked away wasn't serving me, and therefore wasn't serving my family. And this can be applied to a whole bunch of different areas, but it's so interesting how many clients I've worked with have some sort of love creatively, whether it's painting, music, crafts, novel writing, that's been put on the back burner because we devalue that in, in, in the United States. And so it's put on the back burner and to bring that back out is life-changing for, for many people, just to bring it back out, even in minimal ways is such a huge thing. And I think, and the reason why I thought was such a good match when Jake contacted us about talking is I was like, this is a, this is a brilliant book. (laughs) This is, I was like, this is perfect. This is like absolutely stuff that had been working for me and stuff I was aware of. And you, and you, and you made it concrete in a book and said, no, this isn't BS. This isn't the, the hippie or the, the flaky musician, this is real. When you're actually a musician, like in a way that you're touring and recording, you, it's work. It's hard work. The, 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 the press about it and the publicity about it is partying all the time. But what's not shown is just the ass grinding work that is in the studio for hours and, the, and, the, and playing live and being in a stupid van for 14 hours driving from Dallas to Santa Fe, you know, and, and, and that whole thing and how I think that's completely relevant. And it's, I think it's really cool that you shined a light on that. Uh, well, well, thank you. Uh, uh, one thing I wanted to call, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about was the, um, this, I, in your book, you bring um, this, this sort of, I don't want to say like, it's, 
it seems like such like simple sort of uh, simple steps and and uh, and I hope I'm sort of not you know spoiling it if I if I share this but one of the things I appreciated so much was the you know the like the the parent we want to be because mm-hmm. oh, by the way I, I have two kids I have, okay um, yeah Got so it. Like, <laughs> yeah good makes sense a little bit of context yeah yeah um, so <laughs> it uh it it was so great to just go through that exercise alone right and um and like music right it, it gives you the 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 focus it gives you the why you're why you're in a band or why this song is trying to exist um and then as a parent to say what is what does ideal look like? Like who do you what do you imagine? Right. And and without that blueprint, you know, how could you possibly even try to attain attain it? Well, yeah, and I would say that that in in the business world, I think you can use the same uh, idea, which is what kind of company do you envision? And and I think it's it's better to judge yourself based on your ideals and say, you know, I may not be a platinum selling artist, but that's how I envision myself or I envision myself a, a, a songwriter that writes uh, songs all the time. And, and, and that's what I do in my head. And then you can at least know what you're working toward. And I think in the corporate world, you say you don't say, well, we only have two employees. So we're a company with two employees. You say, I see this growing. And we know very clearly where we're going. And because that's where I see it, then now we can make steps to get closer to who that is. All I did was just sort of take that approach that I've been using and apply it to to parent to healthy parenting to say, well, who are you as a parent, regardless of how you parented yesterday? Who really are you as a parent? And now at least you have a clear, like you said, blueprint to say, okay, well, now I can get closer to that over time. That works creatively. That works uh, in the business realm and, and virtually every other area, but we never ask that question. We kind of go, oh, I'm a binge eater because I binge eat all the time. Well, I was the one. I stepped in and said, wait a second. Are you really a binge eater? Regardless of how you've been doing this, are you really? And most people aren't. They don't feel good about the fact that they've been binge eating. That says to me they're actually not binge eaters. It's how they've been behaving. But now let's talk about who you are and how to get closer to that, to that person instead of just saying, well, that's what I do because I've been doing it all the time. Yeah, and I think where people and businesses, uh, I would say they they struggle, sure, but where they uh, can fail is when they try to be too much. Uh, especially businesses, you know, where they they sort of haven't picked a genre, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. they they haven't picked their north star, um, and they try to pivot too much. They try to sort of follow every trend and try to be everything for every client. Uh, they don't say no, <laughs> right? They don't turn down business because it doesn't fit who they are as a business. Uh, they, they sort of start chasing uh, what they think is an opportunity, not keeping you know, sight on, on why they got together in the first place, why the, be- why the business became a business in the first place, why the few folks got together you know, over, you know, a few weeks to decide if they actually have something there to invest in and try to go to market with. So I think there's definitely a danger of not having, you know, your mission statement, your, your vision well articulated up front. Because uh, without it, everything just becomes splintered, fragmented, and uh, your whole company can end up going in, you know, a uh, hundred different ways. And you end up with really unsatisfied clients. 
as a result and people and, and people that you uh, you know that are part of the company as well. There's nothing to really get behind and, and anchor everybody to. That's totally fascinating to me because the whole time you were talking, I was thinking about the analogy uh, of of what I do, which is yo-yo dieting, because mm. that that's what you're talking about. You're talking about like I've described it as being a pinball, you know, just bouncing around. If you don't have a core vision, you know, and and and, and what I've said is like it's never. I've never met somebody who actually wants to lose weight. What I have met is people are people who want to live healthy and be vibrant and have energy. And then I always go weight loss, that's a side effect. But you've got to be clear about what it is you're actually chasing. You have that core sort of guiding principle. And that's so fascinating the way you were describing it. It's like people who yo-yo diet is because they're not clear about really what they're looking for. They think it's weight loss. And in your case, you would say maybe they're, they're thinking it's bottom line. And so they're willing to do just about anything and go from one thing to another and never stick with something long enough to actually create something because they're not clear about what the goal is, which isn't really bottom line. That's a side effect of a successful business. But in my mind, a successful business is like a healthy body. Weight loss is a side effect of bottom lines, a side effect. But you really want, if you want to have a successful sort of fulfilling business life, it is about being clear on what your core values are and really what you're trying to achieve. Did you find as you, as you sort of, you know, I know you're saying that you sort of thankfully found a new passion outside of music. Uh, I'm curious about two things. One, was it a struggle to let go? And two, was how much uh, sort of capacity for resilience did you have? And 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 I'm curious if if you pulled from your experiences of being a touring musician as you transitioned into something new and unknown? I had a, I had, I wouldn't say crisis because that's too like melodramatic, but I definitely had a, you know, for, for doing it like you did for as many years as we did, um, of being uh, a musician in my head. You know, my band was up for 10 years, but I played solo before that. So it was really 15 years straight of just, playing and writing and playing and writing and it was it was like i made a living as an actor but like act that was a completely side note like music was my my thing and when i stopped doing that it was definitely a weird place to be of moving away from los angeles and 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 not having that it was a definitely an identity thing i don't know how i really don't, can't quantify how i got through that except to say i did get very good at being um, smack to the ground and getting up again as a musician, <laughs> you know? And so, <laughs> and so just like having a failure and having a band member leave and then having a new band member feel like it was all lost and having a new member and having it be better than it was. And, and understanding this process of like, you get kicked down, you get back up, you get kicked down, you get back up. And so I may have had at that time enough of an arsenal of experience to, to be able to shed that and say, it feels crappy and it feels like I'm lost but experience has shown me something is going to present. And it did. And I, it, it's not, you know, woo woo new agey shit. It's just, d do I, do I know myself enough to say like, this is not right for me right now. And, and, and I got to let this go because it's not right. It's not making me happy anymore. My creativity is being stunted because I'm not happy doing this. Okay. Let me, let me take, let me remove myself out of this and see what comes back. And sure enough, because music, is still, I believe, such a part of me. It's re, it's re, uh, it's coming back in for the first time, and so I think it never lost, it never went out. It just I needed to get away from it for for a little while. Mm. 
Same for you. I mean, you're, are you playing? Uh, here and there, um, I'm writing, uh, and, uh, you know, starting to record a little bit here and there as well. Um, my 11 year old son has gotten into guitar like big time. So, (laughs) uh, we've been just jamming, which is a total trip. Um, but it's, it's, it goes back to, I think what we were just talking about earlier also around sort of defining what I'll say, like what defining what success looks like maybe, or Mm -hmm. what defining what the ideal maybe looks like. And I think I've gotten very comfortable with just enjoying the moment of music versus the idea of the commercial component of it um, or the recognition of it. Uh, I'm real. And it's, and I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not easy. Uh, uh, you know, having done it for so long and not just being a component of the gig of just the job of being a musician was the recognition and trying to have some sort of commercial success, uh, and now trying to find different ways. And, and yeah, so I'm, I'm playing, a bit now. Um, my wife plays uh, bass and she sings, so we, we we're, we're like a family band, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm finding those moments now. Well, how cool is it? Like, I had a similar thing where I, you know, I wrote the first song I'd written in a while, and I was actually happy with it. And so, I have a, a blog, and so my kids, I decided to shoot a music video, and I just had my kids because um, they're interested in, in the vlogging thing. And I had them basically work, my daughter co-directed and my 13-year-old daughter co-directed and my eight-year-old twins assisted. So they did some of the camera work and some of the setup. And we did a basically a music video as a, as a family. And it was nice. like this, yeah. And it was like this thing of like letting go of that identity of being a musician looks like this and letting go <laughs> of that and saying being a musician is being a musician it's playing music it's writing or or it's just doing it and i i it's so i think you've had a similar i'm guessing yeah. the love of music that got me into it in the first place has come back and i think the business side of it ended up dulling it over time to the point where i didn't want any part of it for a while now losing the commercial 100% commercial concern is gone um, now I love it again. And it's just like when you said, like redefining what success is, is a very, I don't know how old you are, but I'm finding like, that's one of the benefits of age is like, you know what? It, thank God I didn't hit it big when I was 21. I don't know if I would have had a happy life. I don't know if I would have had the marriage that I have now or the kids that I have now. Um, kind of a blessing in disguise. All I wanted at 21 was success in music. And I don't know, it may have been great. I don't know but I'm not regretting that that didn't happen. And I think that's a, not a cop out. I finally come to realize like I, for a while I was like, am I just copping out? But I think it's actually like kind of happy. You know what I mean? Like I'm actually kind of happy. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, same here. It's, uh, I think about, uh, you know, the bands I've played in and thinking if I was still in those bands with those guys, I think I, I would be miserable. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> And so thankful <laughs> for uh, for taking the risk, right, of leaving it, and um, and ending up where where I am now with you know with a great family, great work. I enjoy what I do for work, and and, and yeah, music now is just all its pleasure, its expression, its creativity. Yep. It's uh, you know just exploring those parts of of life, uh, and and yeah, removing 
any of the baggage that that was once there. Yeah, and I I, I guess we could all I'll wrap up my end of things with with this story because we finally got our first tour. We were asked to open for a band called Mojave Three. They're a, 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 a British band. And they came over to the U.S. and we played a show with them. They really liked us. And they asked us to open for them on their tour, which is a few months later. So they come back and we, my band drives to Atlanta to meet them. And we get into a tour bus. This is our first tour, but we, we're in a tour bus. And we play our first show in Athens, Georgia, at the, at the 40 Watt, which is this cool club. And so we play this show. And we're up till 3 in the morning. We're drinking and smoking weed and and we get in in, in and we, we finally get ready to take off to the next show we're in the in the bus in the, in the and i'm in my bunk and i had left my stuff underneath and so i didn't have my sleeping bag or anything else so i'm sleeping in this bunk and i have i'm trying to sleep and i have my all i have is my jacket i have no clothes no sleeping bag nothing and i'm kind of curled up in this thing and all i could think was I so would rather be home right now. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and I was 34 years old. I had been married for like nine years and I just, I didn't have any kids yet. And I just miss my wife. And I just, I was like, if this had happened 10 years ago, it would have been the best thing ever. And all I could think about was, man, I wish this had happened 10 years ago. Cause right now this is not ideal for me. And it was just this weird thing of like, even then going as much as I, and, and I enjoyed it and it was fun to be on tour. But at the same time I had already in my mind, like, I don't know if I want to do this full time forever. I don't think so. And especially when I had kids, I was like, I don't want to be on the road six months of the year or whatever, when I have children, you know, so it may have not been in the cards for me ever, but that was just an interesting moment. Like my first tour and most people would be like, yes, this is the best. And I was like, this is 72% best, but, but it's another 20% I wish I were home. You know what I mean? That's uh, totally, totally. Uh, that's a great story. And so, so spot on. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, well, um, this was an interesting conversation. I had no uh, idea where it was going to go. Yeah, same here, Sid. This was a, a lot of fun to to get a chance to chat with you. Me too. And I think you're like I said. I don't want to gush about your book, but I I just thought that's the cool. That's such a cool idea. And I'm assuming it's being well received because it should be. Um, <laughs> but but you really nailed it. And I was I was reading through it, and I was like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> It was just so spot on. So I'm really glad that um, we got connected and I hope I'd love to stay in touch with you. Uh, same here. And let me say, I, I appreciate you putting out your book as a parent. So thank you. Oh, my, my pleasure. Yeah. So anyway, well, best of luck and I hope to keep in touch and uh, continued success with, with everything you're doing. Thanks so much, Sid. Take care. It's Todd Pasternak, author of Lessons from the Road, Musicians as Business Leaders. And again, I'm Sid Garza-Hillman, author of Approach uh, the Natural Health Manifesto and Raising Healthy Parents, Small Steps, Less Stress, and a Thriving Family.